White Sox fans, and welcome into another edition of this show where we talk about the Chicago White Sox and try and just get through it with all of you. But we're really mad inside and we hate ourselves because we're here talking about this god awful team that is the 2023 Chicago White Sox. I'm Tony Marchese, just trying to keep it together. And that's Surly Steve over there at NWI Steve. I'm going to need to crack a beer. I'm a little irritated tonight, Stephen. Can you tell that I'm irritated tonight? I'm irritated. Hey, yo, Anthony. I can sense some irritation in your voice here. Um, simply put, I hate it here. Do you? I absolutely hate it here. Me too. This I is hate just a, it here as well. I'm, I'm right a, there with you. It's an absolutely miserable place. Um, there's nothing enjoyable right now. Um, things are not great at all. We were talking about this before we hopped on here. This is a, it's a fucking death march right now. This is what this is. And is this death march culminating with a hundred losses? Cause that's sure as fuck what it looks like right now. I mean, does it, does it matter if it culminates with a hundred losses or 96 losses or anywhere beyond a hundred losses? Does it even matter at this point? I, these are all questions. I think that it I matters. Ask. I think it matters in the sense, in this sense here. Um, in 2018, we all experienced the worst White Sox team of our lifetimes. The first 100 loss season since 1970. So just five years removed from that to be right back square one. Yeah, I think that's I, I think it kind of matters. And I think it's really fucking pathetic. And yeah, nobody's going to lose their fucking job. Well, that's that's part of the issue as well here, too, is that uh, we've got a front office that uh, I'm not really comfortable heading into the, the next phase of White Sox baseball, Steve. And I know you're not either. And there will be plenty of that just, you know, to talk about as we enter the trade deadline, which is one of the next things coming up for us here on this show. One of the big milestones. Where are the White Sox going to go from here? There's going to be plenty of discussion and discourse about does Rick Hahn deserve the opportunity and will he get the opportunity? Nobody should ever use the word deserve in the same sentence with Rick Hahn unless it the sentence ends with fired. That's I think at this point, most White Sox fans are, are feeling that. Steven, we've got to talk about this Toronto series. I don't really want to, but I think it's necessary um, but there's no better place to start in this Toronto series than the guy that we were just talking about. Rick Hunt opens it up Tuesday. I believe this is the 4th of July. You were writing about, uh, how independence day should be. And you, you, you started off independence day with your own fireworks with your white Sox article that was released over at ontapsportsnet.com, Steve. And then shortly after there, Rick Hunt goes and opens his mouth and says words about this baseball team that we're covering here and uh, just didn't really provide much clarity. Uh, And that's uh, an article that we got from our guy over at ONTAP Sportsnet, Sox Insane, who covers the White Sox for us. There was no clarity out of Rick Hahn's press conference. Do you have any words about what were said uh, by Rick Hahn here, Steve? 
Sure. I mean, Rick Hunt opened his mouth. He said words. He strung them together to form sentences and even in some cases paragraphs without really answering any questions directly about the future direction of the team. But he said a lot of words because he's a lawyer and lawyers like to use a lot of words. Sometimes they just don't leave. Can you anywhere. confirm that? Can you confirm that for the listeners? Do do lawyers like words? <laughs> I can hashtag it is hashtag confirmed that lawyers do indeed in a lot of cases like to hear themselves talk and they do indeed like to hear themselves say a lot of words. I know you do some business with with lawyers out there in uh, in your other in your other life, Stephen. So I was just making sure, but Rick Hahn had said some interesting things with the words that he used. Um, and one of them, one one sentence in particular here, uh, seemed to reference a month at, towards the end of the baseball season. I believe it's October. Um, do you have any comments about his usage of the word October, Steve? I mean, you can talk all you want about people being delusional and any adjective you want to use for having your head up your ass, I mean, head in the clouds. Um, to talk about the month of October with this team. Now, now I do believe the final regular season game is in October, but to imply that they're going to be playing after that final weekend of the season in October, hosting a playoff game. Rick, I'm going to be honest with you. Comedy is not your bag. You should really leave that to the professionals because holy fuck did that joke not land. It didn't. And I think we're past sort of the point. Like I, man, so many people have called me the optimist on this, on this program now for the past two, two and a half years. And I, I'll gladly wear that in this circumstance when I when I'm past the point of of declaring this team dead, things are things are bad. Things are really bad. Um, I hate to be dragged down into the the negativity that uh, that Steve normally portrays on these airwaves, but here we are. I'm pissed off. I'm mad. I didn't like the fact that Rick Hahn was out there talking about this team playing in October right now, um, having any semblance of hope for this roster to get things together. When you have literally every national writer that covers major league baseball going on NBC sports, 670, the score, whatever media outlet you want to pick in the city, talking about how this thing's going to be completely torn down, completely gutted. And I understand that the trade deadline has not passed yet. The white Sox are in a very precarious situation because as we said earlier, I don't know if we trust Rick Hahn to get the job done here to trade these. Oh, assets. I think I think we know the answer to that question. But he he's going to be the one that does it. And so where are you? Where are you as an organization? And the same bullshit that was spewed to us a couple of years ago about how this was all going to be okay now suddenly doesn't feel the same. And it probably shouldn't have the second time through, but uh I believe at that juncture, Stephen, people were uh, talking about how this was in Rick Hahn's vision and not Kenny Williams' vision. And so you can argue whether or not uh, all of this has just played itself into a giant shit pile. But here we are. 
And uh, I'm, I'm just not pleased with uh, how that press conference went down. I have very much gotten to the point where when lawyer boy speaks at the start of a homestand, I just don't even give it any credence anymore. It just simply is not worth it. Um, there's not going to be anything of substance said, you know, I would venture to say at some point, um, you know, that first series after the all-star break, we'll get, you know, some catchy little saying akin to mired in mediocrity that he uttered during the 2016 season. He'll, he'll come up with something clever. He'll get his thesaurus out and he'll string a couple of words together. And, you know, that'll be kind of the next joking point on uh, twitter.com or whatever social media platform you want to use by then come late July. Um, but at the end of the day, look, nobody should take anything that this fucking clown says seriously. Um, he's had 10 years at the home to figure out how to work under the constraints of Jerry Reinsdorf. He's failed miserably at this um, until he and Kenny are no longer the ones making the baseball decisions here for this organization. Nothing is going to change. And you ask where we're at as an organization right now, I can tell you we're neck and neck right here with the Colorado Rockies for the dumbest organization in the sport. That's where we're at. Hmm. Things are other than that. Things are great. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm glad things are great. Other than that. Uh, Steve, we've got a couple baseball games to talk about. You were at one of them uh, that took place on Independence Day, one of the greatest days in this country. Blue Jays, White Sox, I had called you before this game started, Stephen, and I said, hey, maybe we need to do a promo out there in Lot B, uh, get out there and talk about how the White Sox need to win one for America. You said that might not be a good idea in case things don't go our way. You opted against doing so, and uh, I think it was a wise decision. Sox go down early in this one, Stephen. But they come roaring back in the form of, I think, everybody's favorite baseball player on the Chicago White Sox, Luis Robert Jr., absolutely fucking demolished a baseball. You were there to see it. This thing was majestic. It was beautiful. It was everything you want on the 4th of July uh, for a home run to bring you fireworks to be. It put the Sox in the lead. It was of the multi-run uh, variety of, of home runs, Stephen. Tell me about how that looked in person because on the TV it looked fantastic. It looked very sexy. I'm not going to lie. Um, it's one of those things where he's just kind of at the point where when he connects with the ball and um, – at the point of impact and the point of contact, there's just that sound. People always talk about the sound being different. It is different coming off of his bat. Um, I still go back to what I believed now, in that saying until Yohan Mankata walked into my life. <laughs> um, I, I will tell you this, the, the one sound that I will always remember, you know, when I think about that is that September day in Cleveland in 2021 when I got to watch them bury the Indians franchise and he hit a home run um, in that first game of that double header. And like I said, before I could get up out of my seat, the thing had already cleared the fence. And 
it is just different coming off of his bat when he makes solid contact. There is just no denying it. Um, he really is the one positive thing, the one thing you can look forward to watching each night when it comes to White Sox baseball. There's really nothing else, if we're being totally honest with ourselves here. And that fucking sucks. Yeah, we didn't even really get to ride the Liam Hendricks story, the positive storylines from that. I'd say outside of Luis Robert Jr., if you give me somebody on this roster even injured, um, he would probably be one of the other guys that not that, you know, we get ourselves into save situations all too often. Maybe it would have happened on uh, Tuesday, but uh, Joe Kelly got himself into a little bit of trouble with uh, Mr. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And uh, it was a battle of the juniors and uh, the Vlad won in this one, Stephen. I hate to say it, but uh, that was a very White Sox loss. I'm probably going to say that a couple more times tonight. It was a very White Sox loss. They were able to hold the lead for an inning. An inning? Solid inning there? Yep. Yeah, and then uh, everything comes crashing down uh, via an oppo shot from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Was the life sucked out of the ballpark at that moment? 100%. 100%. I mean, you could just – you know, you could feel it. I mean, the place kind of came alive, obviously, when uh, Luis Robert Jr. connected on that three-run shot. And you're thinking, hey, you know, maybe we're going to steal one. Because, again, the team wasn't showing any signs of life for those first six innings offensively. Um, you know, Lucas Giolito, you know, went out there and he put the team in position to, you know, win a baseball game. I mean, he gave up a couple of runs, but kept kept a minute. And, um, you know, then Robert hits the home run and the place kind of had a little bit of a buzz. And then, you know, Joe Kelly goes out there, walks a guy, and then Vlad Jr. just takes him up. And it was just like, it was like a gut punch that you almost kind of felt like it was coming. Like you could, you could kind of start to see him kind of wind up and you know that they're just going to punch you right in the gut. And then it's just like, even when it happens, it's still it just sucks all the wind out of you and it's just miserable. So it's like, no matter how much you prepare for it, it's just, it fucking sucks. I don't know what else to say. It does. I, I, I sort of felt that when I was watching this, um, I saw the crowd come alive after the, the Robert jr. Home run thought we were going to get to do some our roles. Maybe we'll get to that in the back half of the show. Some cool Luis Robert jr. News. Um, and I want some predictions from you. Um, or maybe we'll save it to Sunday. We'll see what, what time allows here, Stephen. But, uh, yeah, I thought that that was probably the best home run of the year. Uh, we'll probably look back on that on the uh, the season recap show uh, somewhere in October, Rakan's favorite month. The season um, autopsy, you mean? Yeah, or what, what do you call it, a funeral, wake, whatever you want to call it. The the, the biopsy or the, what do you call it, autopsy? Yeah, autopsy, the, yeah. Autopsy, yeah, we'll do an autopsy on this on this deceased season uh, at some point in retcon's favorite month. Oh, I think I can already identify the cause of death. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. But the body's still in transport. It's got a long way to go. Um, it's, it's far. Uh, we've got a couple of comments in here. Thanks to everybody who's joining us on the YouTubes and the Facebooks. Um, we're not on threads yet. Uh, the new 
whatever platform it is. I don't think we can stream there. We're also over on Twitter. If you're on Twitter, hop in the YouTube uh, so you can come comment on the show. Brandon James was in here a little bit earlier. He's a season ticket holder and he's wasting his money. Um, Steve and I got out of that game this year. Uh, Voodoo's here. He's always here. I think he's he he lives in our YouTube channel. I think that's that's the only you know place, you know place Voodoo, he is sometimes. We love you, Voodoo. Uh, but you his, know Voodoo Voodoo and I were conversing earlier. We we were kind of talking. You know, owing to an Italian heritage night. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Hey, we're owing everything on pretty I'm much everything saying. this year. You can you know, draw they, whatever they wanna, conclusions they you want to here. Right? That's all I know. You can draw whatever conclusions you want to here. They won on Polish Heritage Night. That's all I'm saying. I'm I'm glad you got that. I'm glad you got that going for you. He says his problem is that he knows Rick Hahn will rebuild, which will doom the next 10 years, which will hopefully include a new owner. Uh, yeah, uh, we do as well here on the show. Uh, he also commented Bedard. I think that makes us happy. I think that makes everybody happy. I will drink to that. Uh, I know it's been a while since I've been on these airwaves, but I've been uh, over at Four Feathers celebrating Connor Bedard and, and even though things. you know he might need to go get some kind of vaccine or yeah, I or saw some him kind at of treatment. I mean, he was he was at some place, so he probably stinks like piss. Uh, who knows what other kind of fucking disease he he you know yeah counter, or, or you know has come in contact with. Um, interesting so yeah, choices. You, you hate to you hate to see that. Interesting choices. I'm mad at the White Sox that they did not get him out here. I'm wondering if he was supposed to be at the Fourth of July game. You know, which got rained out. But but the counter argument to that is, do you really want the the stain of the White Sox organization at this point on the man that is really entrusted with saving the city? Do you want the stain of either of these baseball teams? No, on that guy. No, I, I don't either. So, does it matter at this point? I don't know. I mean, maybe we'll put that as a poll tomorrow from our main account. We'll see what people say. But yeah, we've got uh, two more baseball games to talk about, which took place today because of the rain uh, that came into the area yesterday. Uh, man. Winnable baseball game central today for the Chicago White Sox. First game, Mr. Lance Lynn on the mound. Uh, another very impressive start from Lance Lynn, who has just had a Jekyll and Hyde season. Um, just there's really no explanation for this, Stephen. I don't know if he's reinvented himself or if he's getting lucky or if offenses are exposing. Toronto's a good offense. And he was able to handle them today uh, very, very well. He goes seven innings with 11 strikeouts. I think it was probably his second best start of the season, maybe best start. We can argue this one back and forth. Uh, given the talent level of Toronto, I thought this was a fucking phenomenal effort from Lance Lynn. Uh, his ERA, though, is still above six. Uh, so it's it's a very peculiar situation for Lance Lynn. Uh, this game goes into the 11th inning before anybody scores, Steve. Uh, thoughts, comments, concerns about game one today? Um, as it relates to Lance Lynn, you know, we've seen three or four outings from him like this throughout the course of the season where he goes out there and just shoves and then ultimately has nothing to show for it. Um 
I know I shared in the uh, group chat before we hopped on here uh, a tweet from NBC Sports Chris Kamka, uh, resident stat guru over there. That was the eighth time this season that the White Sox pitching staff has had at least 14 strikeouts in a game. They are 0-8 in those games. That's just unfathomable. That sounds impossible. It, it really does. But then when you stop and think about it, you know, game one was in a lot of ways a microcosm for this season. And what I wrote about earlier in the week relating to the complete lack of offensive approach from this team, just going up there, just swinging at everything. Barrios had three consecutive nine-pitch innings in that game at one point. Just goes to show they just go up there and they just swing. No plan, no approach, nothing. Don't hit the ball hard. Hit the ball on the ground constantly. And, you know, I'm literally watching this game on my phone, on, on the Stairmaster at, at the gym. And it's like, literally, I, I turn, my, turn my head to the side. It's like the inning's over. It's just, it's absolutely mind-numbing to watch how this organization and this team just continues to go up there devoid of any kind of structured offensive approach. But here we are. It's concerning to say the least i know we were all after frank menachino where's the outrage where's the outrage share is it gonna come or is it more focused right now on pedro grafol Rickon for the larger product i mean you've got one of your guys in here you know former, former barves guy yeah, and um, are these guys even fixable? I heard on the post game show in between these games that nobody even wants these hitters from the Chicago I, White Sox at the I, trade yeah. deadline. Yeah, I, I don't How know. How broken is this thing? I, I mean, it's it's broken all the way down to the very foundation, the very lowest levels of the minor leagues. You might see twelve to fifteen hundred words on this very topic possibly as early as tomorrow, probably as early as tomorrow, hint, hint, at a little place called ontapsportsnet.com. Um, this has been a systemic problem for over a decade now. This is not something that is new to um, you know, Jose Castro. Obviously, you mentioned Frank Medicino. You can go back, you can look at Todd Steverson, Jeff Manto. Uh, go back to Greg Walker, whoever you want to throw out there. This thing goes so much deeper than the major league hitting coach. And it's uh, until there is wholesale structural changes within this organization. And it's going to take someone being gone completely out of the picture for that to happen. The beatings will continue. I mean, this is just where we're at right now. I'm, I'm just, it's funny because I haven't seen, and maybe I've missed him. I haven't seen any fire, smoke, anything around Jose Castro yet. None, nothing. 
I think it's like yeah. the guy doesn't even exist. Yeah. He's done a great job of wearing an invisibility cloak through this entire thing. And maybe it's because he's new. Maybe he's just not in the me- I haven't even seen him do any media. Yep. And maybe he's smart enough not to open his mouth in this environment. Maybe like Frank Medicino wasn't. Maybe he learned from his predecessor <laughs> and figured out hey, there's nothing good I can say about this, and this is unfixable. But that's the type of thing that starts to make me wonder. How is he escaping any sort of criticism so far this season? Because in a normal situation, if this White Sox team didn't have this track record, he would be the first one for these offensive approach issues that would be subject to the firing squad that is the Chicago media, White Sox Twitter, White Sox Facebook groups, Everybody involved would be like that guy's. People a still go on the Facebook. I think so. I tossed huh. one of your articles up there the other day and in, into a Facebook group, Steve, and the people liked it over there. They really did. Wow, who knew I was so popular on the Facebook? You know, I haven't uh, been on that platform in gosh eight years at this. I think point. people are people are still there. Maybe I'll have to post it the threads too. We'll see what those those folks over there. Uh, you know, if they consume it, pretty sure the people over there are the same people who are on Twitter, which is kind of funny, but uh, I digress. Um, you know, the whole Jose Castro thing. I mean, I mean, look, um, I think a lot of it is just because the heat is coming on Pedro Grafol pretty intensely at this juncture to the point where, um, it, you can definitely make a case that, I mean, Pedro Grafol is going to be a one-and-done manager. And I think in a circumstance like that, people are ultimately just going to be fixated on that. And it's the, the hitting coach just kind of is in the background at this point. Um, Wait a second. Pedro Grafol, one-and-done manager. Rick Hahn is still here. How does that press conference go down? Because uh, <laughs> he's a master at this. How does that press conference go down? And is Charlie Montoyo stepping up as your manager next season? Are you going outside? This fascinates me. I did not have it on my White Sox 2023 bingo. Well, first off, I didn't have this season on my bingo card, regardless of who the manager was going to be. I thought that they would compete for this division. So throw that out the window. I did not have Pedro Grifol one and done manager. But he has taken a fair amount of this heat. How does that press conference go down? Any early predictions? I mean, there's just there is part of me that does think that Han is gonna be a fall guy on this and justifiably in a lot of cases. So you know, I, I think a reshuffling of the chairs on the Titanic, you know, with Chris Getz maybe coming in to be beneath Ken Williams. Um, it's just, it's hard for me to fathom a scenario where both of those morons are back in the saddle next year. You know, it's not going to be the wholesale changes that we want and that obviously this we know that this organization needs. But to 
to just completely stand pat with this. I don't know how it's even possible when this thing has gone even worse than my expectations. And I remember a lot of people before the season were scoffing at me for saying that this team was going to only win 78 games. And a lot of people said, you know, you're, you're out of your mind, new coaching staff, you know, sleeping McDrunk face is gone. So everything's going to be fine. And I tried to caution people about that. And it's just, it's gone so bad. Take that victory lap. It's gone so much worse than I think even some of the most pessimistic people like myself could have possibly imagined. So how they just completely will run it back with the same group of decision makers. If that happens, (laughs) I mean, that's just the ultimate slap in the face from he who shall remain nameless. I think that's the first time you've you've called yourself a pessimist on the show. I will gladly accept that, and we'll put that one into the archives. But I'll raise my hand and sit here and say I was one of those people that sort of looked at what your projections were and thought this team was going to do better. And I was, I was sort of in the camp that TLR wasn't the problem. I was in the camp that they underperformed last year on a player level, that they – did not gel as a group that they did not carry the same energy that they did in 2021, especially the first half. Maybe they burnt out in Iowa. And in fact, that's, what's going to be sad is that this rebuild is going to be marked with a high point of this team ascending to its best moments in a regular season game that I think was an excellent event that Major League Baseball put on. I, see, I, I pushed but back. But I think that that, that was – that they were starting to slide before that. They 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 were. I mean, I, I think obviously the high point will culminate with a division title in a season where Cleveland and Minnesota had just a ton of injuries too and – you know, I go back to it, and I remember talking about this at the time. I remember being drunk in my hotel room in Cleveland that night on the show, and you commenting and saying that you didn't think I, you'd ever seen me this drunk on a, on a show before. But I remember just how subdued that celebration was. It was a very subdued celebration. And that's kind of encapsulates what this whole process and what this whole time frame of White Sox baseball is in the end. Um, it was a moment that was short on expectations and didn't live up to the hype. Now you've got me thinking just in, in real time here. You've got me thinking, and I, I know we've got one more game to, to quickly get through. But now you've got me thinking about how Cleveland celebrated when they won the division last year. When, when they were mocking the Sox? Yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. When they were mocking the White Sox. And yet the White Sox had the ability to do the same thing. Right there at the same stadium that you were when this took place. And they acted very nonchalant about it. Those of us in the stands that day were more energetic and more excited 
than the guys on the field were. And I, I, I'm, I'm going back in my memory to just this moment because you, you're, you're bringing things back to me. And I remember watching this with the wife and, and, and Jen and I were sitting there going, why are they not excited? And the first thing out of my mouth was because they, they know that they have, you know, to take the next step, act like you've been there before. But for a group of young dudes, now that I'm thinking back on this, now that I'm thinking back, I remember how the Blackhawks reacted when they won the uh, the first series in 2009 before they got to the Cup. They partied like fucking animals. I remember how the 2005 White Sox sort of treated their way through the 2005 playoffs and winning the division and overcoming these things. I wonder if this has been a problem for longer than I've realized with this group. Why not celebrate it? Why was Steve the happiest person in Cleveland that day? It's a tremendous question. And um, it's something that, uh, you know, I'm so we can look back on now and it, I hadn't really given it a great deal of thought up until recently, but now you go back and you look at that and listen, that was your first division title in 13 mm -hmm. years. Uh, unless you're getting to like Atlanta Braves, Los Angeles Dodgers territory where you're winning the division title every year for a decade. And then it just kind of becomes second nature. You win a division title. You, you, you survive that 162-game grind. That's, in, in a lot of ways, in my opinion, and I don't know how you fall into these camps, that is, in a lot of ways, more difficult to me than winning a five- or seven-game series. 100%. I say this all the time, that more oftentimes than not, the team that wins the World Series isn't the best team. The regular season tells you who the best team is. The World Series tells you who's the team that gets a trophy. Well, for a and, lot of years in this game, Steve, for a lot of years, they didn't have a playoff system. Well, well right, but but where we're at, where we're at now with the since the advent of of the wild right. card, you know, going back to to the '95 season, um, you know, once you started to incorporate that, and now you dilute it even more by having you know six teams in each league in the playoffs. I mean, we saw it a, a year ago, the Phillies went, won a pennant as the number six seed in the national league. You're going to have a point at some juncture in the future, who knows when it'll be, but you'll have like two number six seeds or like a five and a six scoring off in the world series. It's going to happen. Yeah. And I think at least for me, because you know, I was, I was born in the early nineties. I don't really remember the, pre-95 wild card eras and i'm sure there's people who uh remember baseball way past that um that this was a major change for them this is what i grew up with so that's all i really know that's how the playoffs have always worked but when you talk about the regular season being what determines the best baseball team i wholeheartedly agree with you I just wonder if you would ever be in favor of, say, two divisions within each league, top two teams in each square off for the pennant, 
and then go on to the World Series and make it that grind versus what you get. I don't think MLB is ever going to go for that. Yeah. But would that MLB, be a better solution yeah. right now for you as a pure baseball fan to just say this would determine things better? Yeah, no, and, and I think you you go back and if you just look at it historically, that probably was you know the most equitable system that was out there. Uh, you had a balanced schedule at that point. So you're playing all the teams in your league an equal number of times. And um, I think that probably just made the most sense and would really kind of lend itself more so to the best team winning the whole thing at, at the very end. Um, once you start diluting it and adding in all these teams, like I said, you got six playoff teams in each league now. Um Steve and I are going to bottle this conversation up and you can expect a detailed discussion on this, this off season on socks on tap. I, I love this type of, of discussion, Steve, and I hope the listeners too as well, but I, I'm in full agreement with you. Yeah. That's, but, that's but, what but determines I mean, the, the, the best team. Yeah. But, but circling back to the greater point here is, I mean, you know, you go back to what should have been or, or what ultimately was the high watermark of this period of time in white Sox baseball and they didn't even cherish it they just acted like it was like it was no big deal and then the downward spiral since then very lame and weak now that i look back at it very lame and weak we don't like that we don't like that here steve speaking of lame and weak things we've got one last White Sox baseball game in this Toronto series, which started at about eight o'clock tonight after the White Sox pissed away a chance to even up the series earlier. And uh, this one, well, they did that again. Sox drop it five to four in just more piss poor offensive approach fashion. Sox get out to a lead after uh, Toronto strikes first in the second. Sox get three runs in the third. And then uh, it was basically death by paper cuts here. Uh, Toronto just scratches a run across the board for four straight innings against White Sox pitching. And uh, give me some thoughts and comments on yet another bullpen start for the Chicago White Sox. I know the pitching depth is sort of not there right now with both Kopech and Clevenger on the I.L., but uh, how many times can we do this over and over again? Is this what we're going to be subject to post-trade deadline? Because, geez, man, this is not fun to watch. It's not fun to watch, and I think there's a really good chance that this is kind of what the months of August and September are going to look like. And it is going to be very painful. And I talked about this being a slow death march. Um This is kind of what we can almost expect here. And you kind of saw everything in in this game. You know, you jump out to a three to one lead. This is New York's hottest club. Stefan is here to tell you about it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you jump out to a three to one lead. You give it right back. Um, Eventually, you know, you, you take a lead again and then you just give it back. And then you let the Blue Jays just go and, and get that final punch in right there. And then you just go down and you just stay down. You don't even put up a fight. And we basically kind of saw 
every way that the White Sox have managed to lose games during this season over the course of the last three days here. It's all been right there on display. Um, it's just a, it's a it's a bad baseball team. They don't do anything well. They do nothing well. They do nothing to inspire hope or confidence in you that things are going to turn around. Um, it's crazy to think about, you know, here we are. It's been almost a month since uh, you and I were at the ballpark on that Saturday against the Miami Marlins. Yes. And they had a lead in the ninth inning, and Cole Jelly went out there and um, and gave it up. They win that game. They would have gotten to, I think it was five or six below 500. So, you know, they would have they would have had at least a little bit of positive momentum. Yet now here we are today. Low water mark of the season, 15 games below 500. Uh, Sucks. I'm I'm sitting here looking at the 2019 Chicago White Sox pitching staff. Why does it look better than the 2023 White Sox pitching staff in terms of depth? Nova, Lopez, Gilito, Cease, Detweiler, Covey. Why does that seem better? And that, that doesn't even include Manny Banuelos, who came in for a couple of starts and one epically fucking disastrous start that came on May 4th uh, of that season. But uh, why does it look like it has more depth than where we are right now? I thought when we were building houses, like you were supposed to like add things onto them. Why does it feel like it's subtracted? And you're already talking about how this is going to look worse coming up here soon. If I if if I've got one gripe with this team, Steve, it's the fact that there is absolutely no starting pitching depth within this entire fucking organization. And this thing was a house of cards, and the minute one starting pitcher went down, this was fucked. How is, how is that possible? Because there's no depth anywhere in this organization. You can't name one position where there is depth. You know, um, you I can't. Can. What? third base and I, I say this cautiously very cautiously because Big Brian Ramos guy no I'm just saying it's it's not a lot of depth but it's the only position that has arguably two major league ready players to play it in Yohan Mancata who's half available and Jake Berger who that's his natural position and he's sort of uh, at this point, I guess, earn the starting role while Yohan Moncada recovers from the back thing. But that's the only thing that had depth. You could afford this season for Yohan Moncada to go down and Jake Berger to step into that role. I will argue that everything else is pretty much completely fucked. That's not a uh, good way for an organization to be structured then. Because if you've only got... At best, one position where you have enough depth to sustain an injury, you got a lot of problems. 
Look around the diamond. Tim Anderson goes down. You're already pulling your starting second baseman and Elvis Andrews over, which means that you've got a depth problem at second, so we can't even look there. You're platooning first base already between Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets, which means that you don't have a true bonafide starter there. Catcher position is Yasmani Grandal, who you know isn't really going to be available, so you're already calling up Kyle Perez, who's done nothing for you. In left field, you've got Andrew Benintendi, and you've seen a rotating cast of characters try and come in whenever he doesn't start. If Luis Robert goes down, you were already relying on Billy Hamilton, who's not a major league hitter. He's a pinch runner, uh, and he couldn't even last within the organization. Then you had the same cast of characters try and fill that out. In right field, you're still running out Eloy Jimenez, which takes away from – there is not any depth. How did this conversation go down in the front office – before this season started and say, okay, if we sustain an injury, here's our plan. It's patchwork. Third base was the only position that they had on lock and, and only on lock in terms of one level deep. Can you name another organization out there that's as rail thin? The Colorado the Rockies. Boom. Case in point. I'll argue with you here all day. I'm mad online. I mean, that's it's definitely the Rockies. Pretty mad online right now. I mean, that's just that's just where we're at here. Um, and we've gone off good. we've gone off on a couple of tangents here, Steve. I'll try and wrap this thing up for us. Uh, Sox fall five four in the series finale. Get swept by Toronto. Tonight. Get swept in the season series. Swept in the season series. Swept at home, swept on the road, swept all over the place. People just bring the rooms out. It was embarrassing when I heard the uh, Let's Go Blue Jays chants ringing out throughout portions of today's ball game. Uh, but uh, here we are. The White Sox drop yet another one by a final of 5-4, as I mentioned before. There's really not a lot of good to talk about here. In fact, the White Sox had their chances late to get this thing done. And they were unable to do so in just the way that you would imagine them to. Uh, you did see Tim Anderson get an RBI. Golf clap, anybody? Yeah, crickets for that one. Uh, and he did, you can't even say he drove in another run, grounded into a double play, which resulted in a run scoring. Uh, other than that, man. There's really not much offense to uh, write home about. The uh, The Sox pitching staff in this one included Jesse Schultons, uh, a guy that did not make the team out of spring training, and, uh, and Mr. Shaw there came in and pitched actually both games within this double adder. Talk about just like using a guy to uh, eat up innings. Dude didn't even make it out of spring training. We're just reminder uh, uh and then two guys who were called up prior to today's ball game in uh padilla and uh jimmy lambert um jesse schultons era is 3.45 everybody else who pitched in this game is above five that seems ungood and yet somehow the white Sox were only able 
or were able to only lose this game by one run? Well, at the end of the day, that's all you really have to lose by. And um, that's that's facts. That, that that should be like the slogan for facts only, Steve. So, yeah, bad teams find ways to lose. Bad that's teams it. find ways to lose is is very true. Steve, I said this before we hopped on here. Do you think the White Sox could have won all three of these games yes. within this series? Yes. Yes, they could have. Um, they, they absolutely could have. I think back to a time when, um, man, 20 years ago, the 2003 South Suburban College Bulldogs. We were in the midst of a seven-game losing streak. Great team. If you didn't follow them, there's a we, documentary we, somewhere on Netflix. We, in fact, were not a great team. Um, we were in the midst of a seven-game losing streak, and I'll never forget the immortal Steve Ruzich in between first and second game of a doubleheader after after a loss. We're huddled down the third base line, and um, he comes walking out, and we just – Realize we're just going to get motherfucked. But he doesn't even break stride. He just looks at us and he says, when you accept losing, you're a loser. And you guys are nothing but fucking losers. And that's what this White Sox team is right now. They're fucking losers. All of them. As we've said many a times, the beatings will continue until morale improves. That's really all I've got for, for this Toronto series recap, Steve. Just going to say thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened to this show. It's probably very hard to do so um, at this point within the 2023 White Sox season, but we appreciate the support. Steve, we've got a series against the Cardinals. They're a team that's had their own trials and tribulations throughout the 2023 season, but they've sort of had more ups than the Chicago White Sox, and we haven't really fared too well, I think, against National League teams. Um, but Theoretically, somebody has to win these games. Yeah, In somebody theory. does. In theory. In theory. But do the White Sox get the Cardinals right this weekend? Is if, you know, if we're going to do something, can we get St. Louis right? Can we get them back on track? I mean – why do we, I mean, I don't know that we want to, I mean, I, you know, you never know. I mean, I, I don't see what the benefit to that would be. Yeah, just to, to piss off Ron loose. I mean, listen, if it'll piss off Southside Ron, I, I think I can get behind it. Um, it'll piss off Ron Lewis over at Cubs on tap. You know, you know. All right, that, I mean, that might be worth it. I mean, look at the end of the day. That was the angle I was taking from, okay. from Jump okay. Street. Okay, all right, that's that's fair. I mean, look at the at the end of the day, um, the National League runs through the ATL. Let's just let's just call it what it is. I mean, that team's you know won eighteen out of twenty. I mean, that's that's what it's all about at this point. So. Anybody else in the National League, you know, I mean, whatever. Well, I know how you feel about your barbs. Uh, you got a pick to click for tomorrow's baseball game? Oh, boy. I'll go with Zach Revelard. What the hell? Why not? He's got a higher war than Tim Anderson. 
He does. He does. Like the guy. I actually have a higher WAR than Tim Anderson. You do, and so do I. Yeah. For for that matter, I think we've got higher wars than Tim Anderson this season. Yeah. That's pretty good. It's pretty yeah. good for us. Look, yeah. at, we got that going for us. Who would have thought? Yeah. Um, took Zach Remillard. I don't think I've taken Zach Remillard all year. <sighs> I'm gonna go with Tim Anderson. Bold strategy. Kind I'm gonna go with Tim Anderson because you can't you can't really win in this game <laughs> if there's anything i've learned about the pick to click is that there's no winners no matter what you do with the 2023 white Sox, you just pick a name and you put it out there and maybe something will happen but for the most part it won't so i'm gonna go tim anderson then if he hits a home run i'll ride tim anderson until the hot streak ends how about that i mean that's um certainly one way to do it um Something's got to give. It's got to happen eventually, right? I mean, you would think, but, um, you know, if we've learned anything this year, if something can go wrong, expect it to go wrong to the White Sox. Murphy's Law. Ah, man, you know, that's why you can't trust an Irishman. Mm. Interesting theories there from you. Just say it. Yeah, it is what it is. You know, you know, owing to an Italian heritage tonight. You know, now you're talking about you know, you know, these these Irish guys named Murphy. You know, and everything going wrong. I, you know, it's not a good showing for my cultures this season. It's, it's really not. Some might call it it's a not. tough scene, Anthony. It's a very tough scene. A very tough scene. Oh well. All right, I got Tim Anderson tomorrow. You've got Zach Ramillard. We'll uh, we'll be back on Sunday. For a Sunday fun day show. Oh boy, uh, will it be fun. It'll be fantastic. And you should be there to hear us breathe more hot air about the Chicago White Sox. Steve, I'm going to close this thing down how we always do. Be sure you're following the show at Socks on Tap on Twitter. Myself at Tony on Tap. You can follow Steve at NWI underscore Steve. Get in on the YouTube so you can interact with Voodoo over there. He, he seemed lonely in the comments. Uh, as this thing wound down here, I know we're in the late hours. It was a double header series recap, but uh, we hope you enjoyed the content tonight. Hop in the YouTube. That's youtube.com slash ontapsportsnet. Follow all of our written work over at ontapsportsnet.com. Steve said he's got a couple of articles coming out of the content factory here soon for all of your reading pleasure, if that's the type of thing you do. I'm sure there's a way that you can uh, – Use an app or something on your phone and and have it read it for you. If you don't want to uh, read it yourself, you can listen to it. Um, I'm just making shit up at this point in time because I want people to have a better life than watching the Chicago White Sox every night. Steve, it's always a pleasure to talk White Sox baseball with you, even when they lose, even when we're mad. Uh, And uh, that's all we've got for tonight's show. So thank you to everybody who tuned in. I would say White Sox forever, but right now I really don't want the White Sox to exist because they are a very, very tough thing to watch and talk about. So, Steve, I'm just going to close the show down and let you say some words, and then I'll hit the end button. Some words. 